Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is a leading information services provider for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders in more than 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging market business strategies. Today, we'll be discussing our latest outlook for the Russian market. My name is James Waterson. Joining me for today's conversation from FSG's London office is Martina Bozadiva, who heads our research practice for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. As a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Martina, let's start by recapping where the situation between Russia and Ukraine stands today. We do have a relatively tentative ceasefire between the rebels in the eastern part of Ukraine and the Ukrainian government. While the ceasefire doesn't effectively hold, we know that it's been broken multiple times. Both sides seem to be willing to acknowledge that it is theoretically working um, and to go forward with some levels of solution. However, it's certainly not over yet and we don't know whether we have reached the point at which the situation is going to begin improving or not. Just today we saw the European Union sanctions, the new round of them coming into effect, we know Russia is definitely going to retaliate. So, wow, it seems like a bit of an easing of the current tensions that we've been seeing. Uh, I don't know that we're at a place where things are only going to be getting better from here forward. What is clear, though, is that uh, Russia seems to be trying to get to an end point. Now, that end point may not be acceptable to the Ukrainian government because it's likely going to involve a high level of uh, autonomy for these eastern regions, and it's likely going to freeze the conflict there. Uh, So we still don't know a lot of the outlines of what Ukraine is going to look like going forward and uh, whether or not that could be contentious between Russia and the West. The relationship between Russia and the US and the EU is not good at all, uh, despite the fact that Western powers have tried to be a little bit more measured. Uh, I think this type of um, problems that we're seeing uh, in tensions and the loss of trust is going to be something that will take quite a while to heal. Assuming there is no further deterioration of the situation, should companies expect things to get back to normal soon? Well, let's assume, yes, uh, let's assume that there is uh, no further security uh, deterioration of the situation and that the the different sides do sit down and start to have much more serious conversations around the ceasefire, what the the future of uh, Lugansk and the NISC is going to look like. Uh, We are in some ways going to see uh, going back to normal and in some ways we're not at all. And I want to be clear about what those are. In some ways, we have had a lot of disruptions in the past year or so. We've had sanctions, we've had, uh, you know, threat of military force uses. Uh, We've had the plane being taken down. So a ton of disruptions that have basically made it impossible for multinationals to plan and to know what is the future going to look like, not just in six months or a year, but even in a month. What is the exchange rate going to be in a month? Those have been questions that have been extremely difficult to answer. I 
don't know that we're out of that situation yet, but we could be getting out of it soon. So we may start to see a little bit more visibility into the economic and political situation in both Russia and Ukraine. In other ways, though, we're not going back to normal. And I think that's something that's really important to reinforce. Politically and economically, Russia is not going to be going back to where it was before the Ukraine crisis. Economically, the damage that has been done and continues to be done by sanctions, counter sanctions, freezing of uh, access to capital to European markets is something that will last within the Russian economy for a very long time, for years to come. Um, and the, politically, as I mentioned, this lack of trust that has been created, the sanctions and counter sanctions, the fact that Western companies may not be seen as positive anymore. All of those are things that could potentially take years to undo. Uh, and in that way, there's no going back to normal in the short term. So what should multinationals plan for in this case? I think that for this year and definitely most of next year, not if not all of next year, they should definitely be planning for lower demand from pretty much most sources of demand in the market. So on the business side of things, companies in Russia right now are facing either no access to capital whatsoever or extremely expensive capital, which is restricting their ability to invest even if they wanted to invest. Uh, they're also seeing demand falling both for exported products, but also in particular for import for domestic products, despite the import ban uh, on certain European products. And they're also seeing a lot of uncertainty. And so they're really not willing and able at this point to make significant investments, purchases of B2B goods and services. On the consumer side, and this is something very important for next year as well, we've definitely seen a slowdown this year. We will continue a very actively uh, deeper slowdown next year. And there are a few reasons for that. One is much higher inflation, we also are seeing credit becoming expensive, not just for businesses, but also for consumers. Uh, a volatile exchange rate, as our clients can attest to, um, and potentially higher taxes next year. So the end of this year is not going to be the end of the problems for Russian consumers. And then finally, on the government side of things, lower growth is going to result in lower revenues. And the government is already finding itself in a situation where it has to make trade-offs between different spending patterns. And uh, some spending is either going to stay flat or actually decrease. We'll see how the budget for next year shapes out. But I would not be relying too much on massive increases in government spending. You mentioned high inflation. Is this because of the food import ban? Uh, it partially, yes. So uh, despite the fact that the Russian government has said we will try to control prices so they don't go up, they are going to go up. In fact, they already have started to go up. For certain products that were banned in certain regions of the country, we've seen double-digit inflation, 15-20% increases in prices. So there's no question that the food import ban is going to result in higher inflation. For this year, we're looking at 8 9%, maybe even a little bit higher. The big question is for next year. Next year, there are several things that are also going to fuel high inflation, um, and that is something our clients should really be worried about. Number one is this this carry-on from, from this year. So base inflation is already quite high. But on top of that, you have utilities providers, which are state-owned companies. They mostly froze their their price increases for this year 
next year they're lobbying for significant increases so they might be lobbying for 10 15 percent increases next year and that hurts every single russian consumer that's those would be things like water electricity basic utilities the second thing is something that is becoming increasingly likely and it's the introduction of a sales tax russia currently does not have a sales tax it has a vat uh, most countries do not have both but because regional government budgets have been very strained the federal government is very seriously considering introducing a 3% sales tax that will be levied by regions based on whether or not they want to do it and uh, would go into the regional budget. Um, that sales tax is most likely going to be introduced and chances are most regions are going to want to introduce it. It will certainly also contribute to inflation. Should companies be worried about other products also being banned from being imported into the market? So just today we saw Russia threatening to retaliate to European sanctions uh, with uh, import bans on other products or caps on other products. So we already know that they're definitely thinking about it. Um, I would say, of course, it depends on how the situation develops, but I think our clients should definitely be planning for it because the mood on the ground in Russia is of import substitution. That's the that's the policy of the day right now. And so there are going to be a lot of laws and a lot of discussion among policymakers for different levels of import substitution and restrictions on importation. Currently, uh, what we are seeing discussed is um, things like car imports, uh, things like textiles imports. We'll see whether or not those come in, but it is possible that they might be introduced. More importantly, there are a number of laws that are going to go into the Duma session starting in just a few weeks that are under discussion. One of them to put on the radar of our clients is a law that is going to affect government tenders where for government purchases, and that includes by both government authorities and also large state-owned corporations, including in oil and gas, etc. The law proposes that if there are two or more Russian companies bidding for that tender, foreign companies will be excluded from bidding in the first place. That could be applied for things like IT. It also could be applied, and there's been discussion about it, for healthcare. Now, for healthcare, that would be extremely self-damaging because about 70 to 80 percent of healthcare products are imported so if you start banning imports then you're actually going to have real shortages Uh, but given the populism that is running the duma right now we could see measures as extreme as those so definitely definitely should be high on the radar constantly monitored and lobbied against if possible is the ruble going to keep on depreciating and what exchange rate are you expecting It's really hard to say because every day the exchange rate reflects kind of the political situation. One thing that is important to know is that there is a lot of capital outflow from the market. There's a lot of downward pressure on the ruble. This year, the expectation is for about $100 billion leaving the market. It's a ton of money. Naturally, the ruble is weakening. Plus, we have oil prices going down, which tend to result in lower ruble. Now, on top of that, the ruble is extremely politically sensitive to political developments right now. And the Russian Central Bank has said that um, they are going to allow the ruble to actually float. And despite everything else that is going on in the country, this has been their policy for a while and they're sticking with it. They're going to allow the ruble to depreciate to uncomfortable levels. Uh, And that uh, is something that so far they have been quite committed to, which would mean that our client should expect the ruble to be very volatile and to definitely depreciate through the end of this year going into next. 
I don't know that there are going to be really sharp depreciations. That will depend on events that could result in those depreciations. But we're definitely looking at the weaker robot this year and next. What are some of the baseline assumptions that executives should be putting into their 2015 plans for Russia? So going back to the robot, definitely need to uh, definitely need to include a weak and volatile robot in the plans. As much flexibility as there can be in the plan for exchange rate volatility should be should be written into it. Uh, and obviously here at FSG, we do revise our forecast for the exchange rates every month. So it will be important to be quite flexible on that end because it will it will probably be an operational problem. Um, inflation is probably something that should also be very well considered, given especially the pricing pressure that it puts on companies. And that would be some, something around 8 to 10% for the rest of this year, probably going into next. I could see a situation where for several months next year we have 10% inflation. It doesn't have to be the average for the year, but it will be high. There will be pressures on consumers and businesses. For next year, I would be expecting GDP growth at no more than 1%. And that is kind of a good positive scenario that we're looking at right now. It could be lower, especially if oil prices continue to fall. As a result, much weaker consumer demand. As I mentioned earlier, business demand definitely still depressed. We don't see any reasons for recovery and investment other than rebuilding of inventories. So if that happens, there may be small spurts of improved demand, but I don't know that there is going to be a systematic improvement. Uh, And I think the business climate is definitely going to be very unpredictable, more so than it has been in the past. And should they also have a downside scenario? And what would that look like? Yeah, I think, I mean, we've seen that having a downside scenario is actually a useful thing to have these days. Um, So I would say there are probably two scenarios that should be thought through. One is around continued instability and deeper sanctions. So if, in fact, the ceasefire does not hold, negotiations break down, uh, and there is further military escalation, we could see further sanctions, uh, and in particular, a deeper deeper cutting out of Russia from international financial markets, that would be one downside scenario I would think about. And I'm sure that our clients already have thought about some of that. I think that scenario is less likely now, but it's still a possible one. The other one that we have uh, stopped watching, but we shouldn't, is the oil price scenario as well. Now, in this environment of very weak growth, imagine what happens if oil prices go down to 90 to $85 a barrel. And we are starting to see a trend of excess supply of oil. And we have seen that oil prices lately have started to go down. It is absolutely possible that we could see much lower oil prices next year. In that kind of scenario, we would probably be looking at a much worse performance in the Russian economy. And what about investment? Should companies be thinking about making strategic investments in the market, or is now not the right time? Well, because of the instability and the lack of visibility, um, it's very hard to plan right now. And making strategic investments is a hard thing to sell to corporate. Uh, There's no question about that. So I think we do need to have a little bit more visibility into what the status quo is going to look like before companies start to rethink, okay, what is my investment plan? Does it still look the way it looked last year? Do I need a new one? Um, Certainly investment is something that can and should be done, especially given the weak rubble. 
available. It is a little bit cheaper now. And you do have a lot of local companies that are going to be under multiple pressures from a financing side, from a demand side that may be willing to sell. They may be more willing to partner than they were in the past. So there are going to be opportunities in the market, but we also need to know what does the bottom look like before we can plan for the upside. I don't know that we've reached the bottom yet. Maybe we have, maybe we haven't. Um, And then... Uh, I think that the assumptions in any investment plan in terms of return on the investment based on growth, applicant revenue, those need to be very conservative to make sure that the expectations for the return on that investment are not unrealistic. And I will just add that nobody is leaving Russia. Everybody stays committed to the market. Uh, The question is, I think companies right now are at risk of under-investing in the market, saying, okay, we're just going to... uh, keep our investment at the current level and try to stabilize things. This may actually be the wrong strategy right now to really make it big in Russia in this very low growth environment. It might actually require more effort, more money, more people to reach additional customers and to really build that infrastructure and economies of scale. That would be where profitability can come from. The problem is companies would naturally tend to actually go for the other option, which is either maintain status quo or actually scale down operations. And that could hurt them in the long term in terms of market share and ability to grow in the market. Well, thank you, Martina, for this interesting conversation. As a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Martina or any of the FSG analysts at any time by simply reaching out to your account manager or contacting them directly. You can also access this report and all FSG content on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. And this concludes our podcast. So until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging markets.